Welcome to another episode of the Hoopstradamus podcast. We're doing our off-season check-ins. Today is the best off-season check-in because we're talking about the Chicago Bulls. And so we got uh, two Southsiders, two DePaul Blue Demons on uh, the Zoom, the internet communication system that is Zoom. Uh, so we got Gabriel Wilkins and we got uh, Joshua, the Windy City Kid, Hernandez. How are you guys doing today? Great, man. Feeling good. Feeling good. Always a pleasure to be on talking about some basketball, man. Even though it's a slow offseason, you know, a lot of stuff been going on and we still waiting to see, you know, what's going on with the Kevin Durant situation, whether or not he's going to stay in Brooklyn, is he going to go elsewhere? You know, outside of that, though, you know, it hasn't been too much drama. It's actually been a stress-free summer in the NBA world for the most yeah. part, I'd say. Yeah, you know, I feel like the big domino, the biggest domino was like the Rudy Gobert thing, and then things started to move a little bit. But like, it hasn't been that nuts. Like, there's there's just been a lot of it's kind of like hang, hanging on the edge of a cliff. Like, is Kyrie gonna get moved? Is is KD gonna get moved? Um, for Bulls fan, it was a lot of is Zach gonna come back? Uh, the you know front office brought him back, and so there's some stuff to get into with that. Uh, before we get into the meat of this sandwich, though, let's let's get into some uh, introductions. Uh, Gabe, we'll, we'll start with you. You've been on the uh, podcast plenty of times, um, but this is the first time as Hoopstradamus fantasy basketball champion, where you beat <laughs> by two and a half points in the championship, even though I had the best team all year, even though I only lost three games, even though, you know... I was 73 and nine for all intents and purposes. I lost. It doesn't mean a thing without the ring. Yeah, man, pretty much. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you might want to go back and check your L's too, because I believe I got you a couple times in the regular season. And if I'm not mistaken, I had to beat you the final week oh, yeah, of the regular did. season yeah. just to get into the oh. playoffs yeah. and oh, get to wow. the seed. And because I remember I kept, I kept telling you two weeks before I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the borderline. I needed some help. And I think Stefano had lost the game. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all I need to do is just lose a game. If I win my last two, I can get in and make a run. Because my guys were starting to do well. LaMelo and Trey. Um, who else I have? Kevin Porter Jr., Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley went down the week you and I met up in the finals. And yeah. I thought I thought you, you had a shot. If you'd have had DeMar in there, though, which if I'm not mistaken, that was the week he dropped 50. On the Clippers, yeah. If you had Demar in there, you'd have got him. Yeah, you'd have got him. So I, I, had, I had a lot of luck. And Kevin Porter Jr. came up at a time I least expected him to, because I think he had like a triple double against Sacramento that week, and I had picked that game because we was playing on a weekly format and stuff. Yeah. So I had to, I had to have a lot of luck to get you guys, because um, like I had a lot of, I was hot and cold. Like I would have a win streak, like in December where I win like four in a row, then I lose four in a row. Like my team was just helped to scale. Had a lot of injuries, COVID, 
you know. Yeah, yeah. We got through it. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, sincerely gr- congratulate you on behalf of the uh, Gotham City Jokers. Second place, <laughs> Gotham City Jokers. Uh, what are you going to do? And then, uh, Josh, this is your first time being on the podcast. We go pretty far back. I'd like to say that as far as college gym classes go, we were pretty much the most unstoppable duo in the history of man. You know? Yes, sir. Flag football, good times, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you stay busy. You stay on the grind. Um, you know, you're, you're a boxer, uh, you're a, an artist as well in the music scene. So, uh, why don't you get everybody uh, caught up to speed with, uh, what's going on with you, the Windy City Kid? Yeah. So I, I took a break after my last fight in the UK. I had to like reevaluate my situation, uh, take care of my mental health and basically, put myself first, you know? So, uh, um, it was a lot of growing up that I had to do. Um, but it was just like time. It was time, um, to start standing up for myself and feeding into me instead of, you know, um, dispersing myself and draining myself to help other people. Um, and I really realized that as an athlete, your personal life definitely impacts how you perform. So um, I had to admit that. I had to admit my weaknesses and make some changes. So I made some changes, um, you know, got a whole new boxing team set up in a different situation uh, here in Chicago, training with Rick Ramos. Um, And he's also my manager. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get back in the ring soon. Um, but I've been training over there for a good six months. It's been highly intense, very rigorous and mentally exhausting. Um, I've never really had a coach to like push all these buttons simultaneously. So my mental growth has just been insane. Um, so I'm uh, grateful for that, but With that being said, I kind of losing a lot of time for my other interests, you know what I'm saying? Like music and stuff like that, but it's okay because right now I'm putting all my energy into boxing and I can't box for the rest of my life. So I do know that I want to be successful at this. And in order to accomplish that, I have to make sacrifices. So it'll all work out. Yeah, well said, man. I can I can feel uh, for that. Even you know it's it's different, but like no matter what your job may be, uh, but like as a sportscaster, there's been times you know if I got something off the court, if you will, it makes it hard to focus at work. So uh, that's very relatable, and it's very uh, interesting, especially like you kind of look at some of the situations around the NBA, um, like the Brooklyn Nets are a prime example of a team that had like a lot of distractions. I'm not just talking about the obvious one with Ben Simmons, but you know, there's so much of uh, the uh, mental health aspect that people don't really talk about with sports, but then, you know, I was just like playing a little pickup ball today and I was talking about this guy who's always a tough assignment, 
And uh, one of the dudes out there is like, he's just always in a good headspace, you know, and it, and it makes you dangerous. It makes you dangerous when you're out there just, you know, kind of relaxed. I'm sure it's a little different with uh, boxing than a lot of other sports. I think, but I think it's the same though. I just feel like you, you have to, you know, like Bruce Lee, you know, be like water, formless. Um, sure. um, you know, men's mental health, you know, a lot of people bring that up now, nowadays, you know, a lot of people are more, I would say like spiritually awakened or whatever, but especially like players like Kyrie, you know what I'm saying? Like Kyrie Irving's definitely super into that stuff, but even seeing like, he was just taking off games, taking off seasons, right? Cause his mental health wasn't there. Uh, what, like John Wall, I don't know what happened to John Wall, but wasn't that something similar to, or like he had contract situation? Yeah, contract, contract situation okay. in, in, in Houston where they were basically trying to develop the young guys, um, such yeah. as Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and they basically asked him to sit out. So he was yeah. just collecting a check, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I did, he, he did talk about how I had a mental strain on him because, of course, he wanted to be out there as a competitor but he was restricted. And the only reason why they were holding him out was to keep him healthy and to make sure, you know, like if they could find a trade partner for him, um, that, you know, they would be able to ship him in one piece. Well, yeah. you know, unfortunately they didn't, they weren't able to find a trade partner for him because his contract, but they ended up buying him out this year. And as we know now, you know, he signed on um, to the Los Angeles Clippers for a two year deal, which I believe is about like 11.3 million. So, He's going for a chance, you know, to try to win a ring out west with PG and um, Kawhi. Yeah, that, that will be a very interesting situation. I agree. Uh, well, let, let's shift gears here. One thing that unites us all, we all grew up Chicago Bulls fans. And, um, you know, every one of these shows has kind of a different starting point. Um, most recently, we had the Pistons and we just kind of looked at the roster. But with the Bulls, I think the appropriate starting point here is just kind of like reflecting and being like, Hey, we're good again. And so we're, you know, the bulls are good again. Uh, how do you, how do you guys feel about this? How, how last year feel for you guys uh, in, in your bulls fandom and as a uh, residents of the city of Chicago, whoever wants to take this one first, go for it. It was dope to see. Um, as a resident, first and foremost, even though I grew up as a Bulls fan, you know, I try to keep an objective angle and, you know, and watch all 30 teams uh, around the league. But it was cool to see. For the first time, I would say in about seven years, the games were more competitive. I got a chance to go to three games this season when they played Minnesota at home, Cleveland, as well as Charlotte in the regular season finale. And even though they got blown out um, in the regular season home finale, it was good to see crowds involved in those games. It was good to see a product on the floor that competed, a team that was fun to watch, a little bit more athletic um, than compared to most seasons. Uh, Billy Donovan, I, I give him his credit. Through his first two seasons, he's done a good job. Only thing, you know, you, you, you when you look back in retrospect, you just wonder how good could the team have been if they had stayed healthy, particularly key pieces such as Alonzo Ball, um, such as Caruso, who right. went down. Um, at a key stretch in the year. Um, DeMar DeRozan had a hell of a season, and he was, you know, must-see television through the most part of it, you know, from the two back-to-back -back game winners um, on New Year's Eve and then 
closing out 2021 with a bang and then entering 2022 with a bang with another game winner. That was a classic moment in Bulls history as well um, as, a, as a recent memory. So I, I would say that I was impressed um, with the Bulls this year, but I wasn't too surprised because I expected their defense to get better with the addition of um, Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Right. I didn't expect for DeMar to come in as motivated as he did, but when you have people saying that you're one of the worst free agency signings, and he's a guy that's always been big on proving himself as being one of the top um, players in the league and an all-star player at that, especially coming out of a situation in San Antonio where a lot of people forgot about him, and he had elevated as a playmaker. He showed that um, yeah. his first season in the Bulls uniform. Patrick Williams had some bright spots in spite of staying um, injured for most of the year. I like the way he closed out the season. You know, it, 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 it gives Bulls fans some optimism and some hope. But the question now is, is how do you build off of it and bounce back and go from a team that got to the playoffs for the first time in five years to finding a way to win your first um, playoff series since 2015 going into the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all that, especially, yeah, DeRozan, uh, in a weird way, he was like, oh, he was more than this too, but in a weird way, he was the playmaking power forward at times that Thaddeus Young was the year before. And uh, so I do like that Billy Donovan throughout his uh, relatively brief time as the Chicago Bulls coach, you can see an identity in, I think, especially when Acme took over. Uh, I think you started to see him start to get the right grocery ingredients to cook the way he wanted to. Uh, Josh, yeah, what do you think about uh, the team last year and, and uh, Gabriel's uh, pretty pretty good little synopsis there? <laughs> yeah, man, I thought that um, obviously they added a lot of pieces last season and they, they just gelled so smooth, uh, which is a surprise to me. Um, credit to, you know, the coach. But I think that as far as this year goes, I'm very excited to see the depth, you know, the depth of players that are on the bench, the depth on the floor. Um, whereas, like, if a couple guys go down, we still have some pretty decent players that can fill, fill in the roles, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, my main thing is, like, we need Lonzo healthy, you know. I don't, I don't see us going like far without him super healthy because he is like a legit playmaker. Um, he reads the floor very well and he pushes the pace, the tempo. He knows how to control the game. Uh, he has good eyes, good vision. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, he's an athletic point guard, right? Um, but I feel like he really, controls the game like a point guard should right? right not and which it's it fascinates me because you know he's a ball you know what i'm saying so like <laughs> yeah. his last name is like he's pretty popular but he just respects like the game and he plays like that you know he runs a team when he's on the court and you saw that when he went down it just all all fell apart you know what i'm saying um I know, like, DeMar had a great season last year. Um, we'll see if, if he can reach that level again, you know? Yeah. Those are things that we don't know. But I, I feel like the two 
the two like pieces that we definitely need are Lonzo and Caruso. You know what I'm saying? Like the, those are they're just two dynamic players that the Bulls are gonna need clicking on all cylinders to especially towards the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? Because um, we've got a dangerous team, man. You know, it, it's like I remember about this time last year when the Bulls are starting to make their moves and Alonzo ball was a guy really wanted them to find a way to get. And even though they didn't make the marketing uh, for Lonzo trade, essentially marketing has gone. Lonzo's there, but you know, but this about this time last year, I don't know the exact date Lonzo, you know, signs with the Bulls, but the, the dominoes started to fall. And I remember thinking like, okay, I see what we're doing here. Cause I was tracking DeRozan with the Spurs. I remember him being a real problem for the Bulls uh, the year before. And so when they picked up Lonzo, I'm like, okay, we're trying to push. And then they pick up DeRozan. I'm like, he's going to be playing some power forward because uh, the way they were using him in San Antonio. And I kind of saw that piece and then I'm like, okay. And then I already know we got Levine, of course. And then considering the way they were trying to use Wendell Carter before they got Vucevic as like a center who can pass from the high post and yeah. uh, stretch the floor a little bit with the three, eventually they reeled in on the way they were using Wendell Carter. But you see, even though uh, Vucevic did not have a great shooting year last year, necessarily the, the way the defense has to respect his jump shot opened up things for uh, especially Levine and DeRozan. Uh, but then also I feel like an underappreciated aspect of Lonzo ball in, you know, Josh, I feel like you made a really good point talking about everything gelling, you know, DeRozan and Levine, they're going to slash and the defense collapses and then you're kind of making them pick your poison because you might have Vucevic either at the top or down low. And then you got Lonzo, who's one of the best catch and shoot guys. And so uh, it really created a team that was just super hard to match up with. And I think if you look at some of the teams that have had legitimate success the last few years in the NBA, uh, namely the Golden State Warriors, but you can say it for any team that's really had a deep run is they had some sort of way to create matchup problems. And so uh, I think that the Bulls found their identity as a team that likes to push. And even though Lonzo wasn't the best team player on that team, I think you could make a really strong point for him being the most important player on that team for those reasons of being able to control the tempo, especially when the Bulls were so dependent on that tempo. The fact that you can have a guy who can make a pass a football pass 90 feet and put it on a dime. Uh, it makes it where you, if you got guys le leaking out, whether it's DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, Pat, will uh, you got someone who can uh, that's beyond just like pushing it up the floor. That is like, that's a, you just had a fast break that might've take two seconds. And then on the defensive end, you know, you got six, 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 seven with him. And uh, a disruptive force and uh, underappreciated rebounder, which I think made up for when the Bulls would want to go a little bit smaller, they were able to do that because of Lonzo being such a big, strong guard. And then, yeah, once him and Caruso got out, it was like this team had completely 
lost their identity. And yeah, to add to your point, and to add to your point on that, Adam, you know, Demar said it best. You know, when he went down and they announced before the playoffs that he was out for the rest of the season, he was the most valuable player on that team because he allowed them to play at a pace that, as we saw come playoff time that they were unable to play it. Right. You know, I can go back to the game one specifically. There were many a times when the Bulls would get a rebound that they did not push it, be it Caruso and White, who were the primary point guards, um, if you will. They weren't able to push it at the level that they would have been with Lonzo had he been out there on the floor. If I recall, they only had about like five or six fast break points in game one. You notice they played with a faster pace in game two, and they started forcing turnovers and what happened? They had success. They ended up winning that game, which was the only game that they won in that five-game series. So the, um, Lonzo is, is a very important piece. He'll be a very important component. And I do believe that they will go as far as he leads them. And, yes, this is a tough team. But one thing we got to think about with the Bulls that they did not add this offseason, as much as we give them credit for, you know, re-signing Zach Levine, getting a landmark deal, First Bulls player to ever get a $100 million plus deal. Got 212 on the money. That's a big deal, but they got to get some shooters. Point, is, point blank and simple. They got to get some, some, some knockdown shooters, and they got to get a little bit more athletic on the wing and some depth. You can't never have enough wing depth in this league with as many forwards um, that are out here that are versatile, can shoot, create for others, and defend. I, th- I think that's a fair point. Josh, you were going to say something in there too? No, yeah, I just I, – I think that you just expect at this point, like, that Levine, right, is going to show up, that DeMar is going to show up, right? You you know that they're going to get their buckets at every game. But it's like you you have to have the that conductor role, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, that point guard that's, that's going to run the show. And I feel like – you know, Lonzo does that, but my concern is, you know, White White hasn't really been that draft pick that we hoped he'd be, you know. And um, he could be that shooter Gabriel's talking about in theory. Yeah. yeah. He I was the like, shooter. <laughs> yeah. He, we'll see, like, you know, especially with young players, you just never know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You never know. He he's still a, a, a younger player. Um, he he could. He's 22, right? I think 22 years old. He can just come out and and have a heck of a season. We just don't know. But that that's the key. You know, ho- hopefully the team chemistry is there and and he can learn while he's on the job and just have tremendous growth this year. But when you have so much talent. You got to have that that leadership role, you know, and, and majority of the time it falls on on um, the point guard. Unless you have like a Joe Kim Noah's type center that could run the offense from, you know, from from the, the paint or from the free throw line, you know. But I don't really know if Vooch could do that or uh, if Andre Drummond could do that. I'm not sure. Um, so I guess we'll just see. But it is exciting to have so much talent on the floor. I, I will say, and this kind of goes off uh, all that, is that there's two players I need to step up 
and that's Patrick Williams, and a big part of that is health. He's got to be someone who's going to knock down the open threes when he gets his look, and there's going to be times when uh, they need him to be a little more aggressive as well. He's got to be uh, elite defensively because Levine is not going to be a great defender. He's an improved defender, but I think that puts more pressure on guys like Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Vucevic, and the next guy I'm going to bring up, who actually I think is a sneaky, really good pickup in Andre Drummond. Now, Andre Drummond is an interesting player right now in today's league because he's not super modern. He's the epitome of an old school big man. Some people uh, question his decision making at times. But if you look at what happened when Tony Bradley was on the floor and Vucevic was off the floor, and then you look at what happened when you had Tristan Tom on the floor who is supposed to be an upgrade from Bradley in that buck series they're getting absolutely exposed the Bulls don't need Andre Drummond to be an all-star but what they need him to be is a beast rebounder which you can say anything you want about Andre Drummond but the dude is one of the best rebounders of all time. I mean, the numbers are just right there. And so you grab this beast, you know, 6'10", 280, and he's someone who can stand up to uh, the Embiid's and the Bams. And uh, he's not as quick as Giannis, but, you know, he's probably stronger than Giannis. I think that that pickup definitely helps. And even though you're not going to be able to have him space the floor the same way Vucevic does you don't lose that rebounding and you can just go run a uh, four out one in when he's in there and I think you have the shooters around him and the playmakers to have a very nice pick and roll uh, with Andre Drummond too and so I do think that they have uh, some very key pieces but i i agree gabe i'd like to see them do a little bit more one guy i really wanted them to chase was tj warren um, a lot of us did a lot of people did it's funny you bring that up because this is a show i'm on um called running with war media shout out to my guys cal means um josh hicks drew stevens and then we talked about that uh and sean terry a, a guest on the show of ours you know we we talked about that a lot about how we would like to see them go after a guy like T.J. Warren. I don't mind the pickup of Andre Drummond, as you alluded to. He does bring them rebounding. I think he's going to bring them more rebounding than Vucevic has. And that was a big issue last season, that that they lacked um, a sturdy presence at the backup five spot. I thought Tristan Thompson was a solid add midseason due to the fact that he's a champion. He's won. You know, he's played on the NBA final stage. You need guys like that in the locker room you know, amongst a, a, a group of mostly young guys to show them what it takes to win, but he's not the same Tristan Thompson as he once was of old. Um, Drummond does give you an added upgrade. And he's a guy that at times too, let's say if Vucevic is out, you can slide him in as your primary five for a couple of games here and there. Yeah, he could give yeah. you solid numbers and stuff like that. But you brought up the pick and roll. Pat, uh, Patrick Williams is a big part, but it's also on coaching as well. Granted, Billy's good, but they don't. The Bulls don't run a lot of pick and roll. If you notice, yeah, a lot they of don't run. A, they don't run a lot of pick and roll, and they should start doing that when you consider who is their starting point guard. And if right. Lonzo is healthy, 
and you got a guy like Drummond, you have to run that have to. on the floor with, with him. And, 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 and I think that's why they got Goran Dragic this okay. offseason as well to run a little yeah. bit more pick and roll. I would like to see them put the ball more in Patrick Williams' hand. You know, I, I think the, if you go back and watch the last two games of the playoffs, Patrick Williams showed that when guys are out the lineup, he can be that guy. You go back and watch the regular season finale against Minnesota. Now, granted, it's against mostly second-string guys, but once he found his legs, he showed that, you know, he can he can handle, um, you know, the load, if you will. All he has to do is try if, – if I'm Patrick Williams, my goal is to be the best number three option I can be in the league. Interesting. And, 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 I, and I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to elevate my, my average. I'm trying to double. Like, I think he averaged like seven or nine points a game this season. I'm trying to get that to at least anywhere between the 15 to 18 range. I mean, I'd honestly call him the number five option. I, like, I, I would say, you know. He can't be the number five option if they, wanna, if they really want to make some noise in the East. So, so it goes for you, it's DeRozan, Levine in no particular order, and then Pat Williams? That's the that's 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 the exact order. Interesting. The, I, I would have that, that's the that's the exact order. That's the exact Patrick Williams is to the is to the Bulls what Louise Robert is to the Chicago White Sox. So you are high, high, high on Patrick. It's Williams. not me being high, it's just me saying that he has a vital role on this team. Oh, yeah. And his role is to not only be a a a catch and shoot three point guy, but the best defender on the team, right? But he also has to be active off the ball as a cutter, and but but they also need to put the ball in his hand some more and let him rock out. That's all I'm saying. You gotta if if, if Billy Donovan has to open up the playbook for this kid, he has a, a a lot of talent that he showcased his rookie year, and he was able to showcase it more because the team wasn't as talented. Now when you got pieces like a Demar Derozan, a Zach Levine in the mix. With Vucevic, you know, they kind of asked him. He had to figure out his – he had to find his footing, and then he got hurt early in the year, which impacted his ability to find his footing in the offense because by the time he got back, they were so good and they were high in the standings and they had already, you know, cemented themselves a playoff spot technically to the point where it was like now you got to find out where he fits in. Yeah, Because remember when he came back – remember when he came back, everybody was like, well, does Patrick Williams even start? But then you had no choice to start him because you're so undersized. Right. Granted, everybody loves Javante Green. He's a fan favorite, you know, but he's undersized and his shooting was questionable. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about Patrick Williams, Gabriel. Uh, like I said, you know, he's an X factor for me. Um, I don't think I would have him as like, I need to see him more aggressive. Don't get me wrong. We all but I don't see him as necessarily like I maybe put him at the fourth scoring option. I want Vucevic to bounce back. And I know he got a lot of hate from the fans this past year, but this dude has been consistent for most of his career. And I think the biggest problem with Vucevic was he had to adjust being in a smaller role, but I think at this team's best version of themselves he needs to be someone who's putting up 15 to 20 goblin rebounds, not being the, you know, 24 points a game guy. He was at his peak of his powers in Orlando. Uh, and then you have uh, Williams. Yeah. 10 to 15, but 
he's got to be, even though he's a young dude, he's got to be in the, the enforcer. He's got to be the dog on that defense. He's got to be the guy uh, who's kind of the intimidator and is the teeth when they try to attack the Bulls. Because a lot of teams try to attack them because they think they're soft in the middle. And that's where Patrick Williams, I think that's huge for him on defense. They are soft in the middle. They're very soft in the middle. And teams know that. And yes, Patrick Williams is huge on defense. There's, there's, there's no question about that. He's your most versatile defender. He can literally guard one through four. However, they need Patrick to be at his best offensively just as much as they do defensively because of the things that he can do on the floor, be it on the ball or off the ball. We saw that firsthand in the game late in March down to the home stretch of the season when he was coming off the bench, I believe, in limited minutes, and he had a double-double. You know, like, yeah, you and, – and then Vucevic, like, I understand you say you want to get 15 or 20 a night, but you really don't need Vucevic getting 20 a night on this team when you think about it because Zach and DeMar are going to be your two leading scorers. Yeah. Or none, pound for pound. You need Vucevic to give you at most – anywhere between 15 to 17 a night consistently. And if he can get you anywhere between eight to 10 rebounds a game. Rebound, you need Vucevic to really do the dirty work. And that's why I feel like they bought Tristan in late last year because Tristan was willing to do the things that Vucevic was not. And that was to get down and dirty in the paint and get the necessary rebounds. Andre Drummond is here for that purpose now, but this is my question with Drummond. And I'll pose this to you guys. Yes, he is one of the best rebounders in the game without question. But we know how this game works. In the playoffs, it comes down to guard play. All right? So when it's the playoffs and you playing a team like the Philadelphia 76ers or the Atlanta Hawks, and you got James Harden and Tyrese Maxey coming off a of pick and roll, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young coming off a of pick and roll, you know they hunt that big man. If they see him on the floor, you know they're hunting him. And he's shown – in the past, it both stops when he was in the playoffs with Brooklyn and the Lakers that he can be had on a, on a pick and roll defensively out on the island. And when he gets into foul trouble, he's not a factor. That's fair. That's fair. I think it's come down to team defense. That's kind of a cop-out. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But at some point, he's going to have to be willing to dance. Say that again? I said at some point, he's going to have to be willing to dance. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like you, you take a big like Clint Capella, who plays for Atlanta. He got hunted many a nights in those Golden State Houston series, but for the most part, he held his own. Yeah, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I I got nothing other than yeah, team defense, man. Because yeah, <laughs> that, cool, that, that, that's yet to be seen. I'm not a coach. Just, but you're right though. It, it, it does have to be that he, he definitely gonna need some help. That's for yeah. sure when he's going against those guys. And that's why I said it's gonna be key um for the Bulls to try and upgrade this roster by any means as best as possible. I don't think that their work is done yet. Um I think in my opinion they had an average offseason at best, but I know we're getting to that later and you know, as far as expectations and whatnot. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's get into it now. Let, let, let's talk expectations. Um, like we said at the beginning of the show, this is the best the Bulls have been in a minute. Uh, just how long? 
Well, they got 46 wins. That was the highest win total since, uh, you know, since the Thibodeau, the last year of Thibodeau, they were uh, 50 and 32. Then you go Hoiberg, Boylan, and it was kind of the dark years. Uh, I feel like Chicago's this weird city with sports fans. All right. I'm calling everyone out right now. Okay. Here's the way I see it. Chicago sports fans know two realities. All right. It's very black and white. They don't know about the gray area. The gray area is where reality lives, folks. I'm getting all metaphysical on you. The gray area is where reality lives. Think about that. They think either we suck or we're winning a seventh championship. Like, no, guess what? There's something in between. There's something in between. And so, you know, I think with the Bulls, this year's roster, best case scenario, trip to the conference finals with some luck because they got some dogs. They're going to be able to uh, control the tempo. If Lonzo Ball stays healthy, if Kobe White takes a step up, if Pat Williams takes a step up, if Andre Drummond can be a really good backup center, and then Levine has the best year of his career, like this is a dangerous team. No matter what, this team is going to be one of the most, well, I shouldn't say no matter what, barring injuries, this team is going to be by play style, by default, one of the most fun teams in the NBA. They have some obvious question marks and they are not built to beat the Celtics. They are not built to beat the Sixers. They're not built to be the Bucks. I don't think they can beat uh, Miami. And so I'm realistically, I'm kind of thinking like six to four range. What do you guys think? Aren't they, uh, weren't they, that's the thing. Like when everyone was healthy, they were like top three. They were the number one at one point. Yeah, last year. That was early. That was early, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't – I definitely don't think, like, six to eight. I'm thinking, like, five – or seven to, seven to ten. I'm thinking more like five, six. Um, a good, valuable season would be, obviously, three. But I, I just – I just don't see, like – Boston is very skillful, and I think the Sixers might go first uh, this coming season. Yeah, Sixers got some – they didn't make too many changes, but the changes they made were really good. That's yeah. for another time. But, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, before we hit the big red button, the recording button, uh, Josh, you made a good point. You talked about there's a lot of really good teams in the East. And so I think that's yeah. – that's, They're, they're yeah. just – a, a lot of good teams, a lot of different moves. Um, but that's what, like, years ago when the whole, like, LeBron taking my talents to South Beach, like, the NBA got a little whack at one point, you know? Because it was just like, you know, LeBron against Steph or whatever every every season. But I feel that the other players is, like, got kind of caught wind. It was like, oh, if you – if you want to build these super team, we can we can do that too. So now it's just like now you have all these really strong teams. It's really like a 2K game, you know what I'm saying? So it just makes um, the NBA fun to watch, and it also makes like sports betting very uh, 
are cool to be a part of, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when the projected win totals are. Yeah. Based off what I saw recently um, from certain projections, I don't know if it was points bet. I, I forget the outlet that it was coming from, a fan duel or whatever, but I saw, like, the projections for the Bulls were, like, 41 wins. Oh. Take wow. the over. Hammer the over. And I, I I I see why you say that, but at the same time, as we just said, and as Josh alluded to, the East has gotten a hell of a lot tougher. Yeah. It was already starting to get tougher, you know, near the end of LeBron's second stint in Cleveland. Now we're starting to really see it. And then one team that we forgot about, and of course, you know, they in a flux right now. We don't know what may happen with them. But Brooklyn still got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Okay, and Ben Simmons coming back. And we know that Ben Simmons is going to be coming back with a vengeance, especially with the way that the streets were talking about him. I, and, and man, I don't I, care what nobody say, ben Simmons ain't gonna I don't give a damn <laughs> what nobody say, bro. Ben Simmons, when he healthy, when Ben Simmons is healthy, he has the talent to shut everybody the hell up. One of the best defenders, one of the most versatile defenders in the game, huh? Yeah. I don't think as an athlete, I think he's probably one of the most skilled athletes in the NBA. No doubt. I didn't say say he was a top 10 talent. I'm not saying he's on a Paul George, James Harden type of level. But put it in the mind, though. Well, 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 the dude's still young. Yeah. And, And see, that's my thing, man. Like, he had an injury. He had some things. Yeah, I don't really care for the way he handled the season either. But you know what? It's a new year next year. I, I and you know, and, and you and one thing we do know is that when guys hear stuff that fans want to say or that critics want to say, it pumps them up. And, it, and he should. And he should come back motivated. So regardless, you know, like in, in my opinion, like he he's the most versatile defender in the league. The dude can literally check one through five. Now, if he hits free throws at at least a 75% clip, he can average 20 without a jump shot. It ain't too many players that can really do that in the league besides Zion. I mean, not Zion, but Giannis. And Milwaukee. Man, if I was a GM and he was available... That's cool. I mean, you don't have to like the dude. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that you should be a fan or that you shouldn't be a fan. But the dude. highest he's ever shot from the three point or uh, the free throw line in his career is 62. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying he needs to improve upon that. Yeah, he does. That's my point. I'm like, could you imagine if he was shooting at like a 70 to 75 percent clip? Like a lot of the talk about the three point shot would be null and void with him. Yeah, it would just be it would just be us complaining at that point. Yeah, because I'm kind of somewhere, you know, like I, I'm with Josh on this one. I need to see him prove it. Like, I agree with everything. Both of about the, the, skill. the dude is an all-star. Don't get me wrong. But I want to see how he responds to the criticism because we all it's, do. A, it's an implode or explode moment for Mr. Simmons. We all do. He's just toxic to a team environment. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, we, we'll see because I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on um, the Katie and Kyrie situation. It's looking yeah. like they don't have no choice but to return back. And if they do, yeah. I mean, I'm going to take, I'm going to put my money on the Nets over the Bulls. I don't think nobody. Maybe if he played for a smaller market team, but 
in Brooklyn, he's gonna fold. Like if we just look at the evidence from the past, he's gonna be with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like I don't, I don't think he doesn't like being the center of attention. I just, I don't know. I just feel he don't like, have to be the center of attention over but there. I feel like his personality is like that. If he's not like you know, got that spotlight, then he's not going to want to play. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going like, to say this. a chance to play before they got eliminated, and he just is like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, okay? I want y'all to think about something. When Ben Simmons was in Philadelphia, the number one thing that he lacked out, outside of his rookie season, when he had Robert Covington there, Marco Bellinelli, and Dario Sarge, he lacks shooting. He don't have to shoot if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are on the floor with him. All he has to do is initiate the offense yeah. and push the ball up the break and get about, at best, maybe six points a quarter. And, and this is That's where I think it could work. work for him. Easy you make work. him the You make him the center. I know this is nuts. The guy's a point guard, right? But if I'm the head coach of the Nets, I'm making him your center. And you ben have Simmons other can guys. play any position, though. It doesn't matter what position he played. Yeah. Like, see, I want to say something. And Jalen Rose said this many years ago. Positions were only created so that a novice of the game could follow it. Okay. This is an era. We, we well, live you in can't an era. have him waiting but, to but catch we live in an era, But we live in an era where it's positionless basketball, too. But he doesn't have a positionless game. Who doesn't? I don't like Ben Simmons. He's very versatile. He has he doesn't have a jump shot. And he so there's certain things shot. you're gonna the defense is gonna be able to cheat off so, him. So that's true, but because he doesn't have a jump shot, that means he like he's not a positionless player. I mean it makes him limited. I just feel that it makes him limited for sure. But Giannis was limited too once upon a time. Once upon a time. Now but he still was one of the most dominant players like, in the league, was he not? But he's not Ben Simmons. Ben, okay, but no, he's know, not Ben Simmons because we've seen him carry teams. We yeah. have not seen Ben Simmons do that. See, I'm yeah. not comparing. Like I said, we didn't see Ben Simmons suit up. It's been but a, it's oh bad. But it's bad when you bring up a player, though. It's bad when you bring up a player and we got to worry about fan reaction. Like all I'm saying is, at the end of the day, if you put him with talent and you make his workload less, like of course, if he was on a team like Sacramento, yeah, at some point he's gonna have to shoot. But y'all forgetting he got Joe Harris right beside him. He got Seth Curry right beside him. He got yeah. Cam Thomas right beside him. All the pieces him. make sense. All the pieces around him make sense. He Absolutely. got shooters. Yeah. He didn't have that in Philly. And, and so that's why you, you like, it makes basketball sense. I just want to see how he responds to the noise because there has been a lot. Josh, what's your opinion on this as someone who's had to deal with the noise? Um, I feel like. You just, you guys said that you know his there's a limit on his skill set right. So when you take an athlete that has a limit on the skill set, you have to find what value does he bring, right? So like take like a Patrick Beverly. Would you agree that there's a limit on his skill set? Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's a role what player. does he bring to the team? He's a defensive. He's a he's a defensive-minded first point guard. He's yeah. a catch and shoot specialist. He's a guy that 
for the most part, like he's yeah, he can run the offense, but more than likely, if you got him on the floor, you got another primary ball handler besides him. Yeah. But like he he's a role player. Yeah, but but exactly. Like he knows his role and mentally he's just a monster, right? Then we talk about Ben Simmons, a limited player who mentally is not all there at from like from his past. So it's like when you're when you're searching for what value does he bring, it's it's up for question. But as an athlete, I don't think that you count people out because athletes change all the time, right? Sure. People have bad seasons. They they do that work and they come back. My question is, play baseball for a year. Yeah, yeah. But but is he is he doing the work though? You know what I'm saying? Like, has he been putting in that work? And as an from an athlete to an athlete, the work that he needs to be putting in is sports psychologist, not yeah. working on my three point shot. I, I That's my opinion. Yeah. It, 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 the work that needs to be done with him is more mentally. Um, if he could, if he could get his mental down, like give give him Patrick Beverly's mindset. And all of a sudden, you're like, I need that guy on my team. But Patrick Beverly makes a lot of mental lapses, too. Like, I hate when people say, well, just because he plays harder. Like, see, you, you know what it is? A lot of times, we as fans have a bad habit of this shit. And I'm just going to say it. We, we look at athletes that are on all-star levels, and we think because they're able to make the game look so easy that they're not trying in some cases. When Ben Simmons is pushing the ball up, and down the floor and he's able to find shooters or he's able to attack the rim and dunk on somebody like i've seen ben simmons alive up close in person most people have not many times ben simmons is a special talent i think he needs to work not only on his mental i think all athletes have to have a, a killer mindset but yeah he also got to get in the gym and work on his three-point shot at the same time too because yeah. at some point no matter what situation he's in as Adam alluded to, yeah, he's going to have to shoot that shot yeah. to at least keep defenses honest. I do have a problem with that. I honestly admit that. But outside of that, and outside of the fact that he did not play last year, and he kind of acted like a prima donna, if you will, to the in the eyes of most people by demanding that he wanted out of Philly and was so hell-bent on getting out of Philly that he was willing to sit the entire season. And even when he got traded, he never came back. Um... Outside of those, what outside of those two things, what do people really have to complain about with Ben Simmons' game? I mean, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing. If you bring back, and we do have to move on from the Ben Simmons stuff yeah. <laughs> sure. pretty soon here, but I will say that, like, yeah, if you come back, because I think, like, you you saw what happened in the Atlanta series. You saw the, the password, her, her, the password around the world where he dumps it off instead of dunking over Trey Young. Like, he lost some confidence. And so, uh, like Josh said, it's you need to see uh, – it's a mental thing. Like, see a sports it's psychologist. A four, it's the disappearing in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Multiple games. Like, but, but again, it, that could be fixed with putting him around a dynamic stars like Irving and Durant that he could lay back and, and really, you know, give them the opportunity. Like, well, wasn't, 
but he was around stars in Philly. So, you know what I'm saying? Like He was only around one superstar, and that one superstar was a young guy. Now he's around two guys that have been there and done that. Both of them got championships. Both of them got Olympic gold medals in the room. Like, when he, when he went to Brooklyn locker room, he was not, like, the top dog. Even though Joel Embiid was the top dog, it was a question once upon a time of whose team it was. But regardless, we didn't learn that until over time. Regardless of their accolades, the the Philly situation that got tough at the end. What I like better about the Brooklyn situation is, like, if this is a video game, and it's not, it's life. But the pieces are perfect. Like you, Thank this the this team is built perfectly around what Ben Simmons does when he's doing it at his best. And so we got to see if what, what he's going to come out and do. Uh, let's move on though. Cause now I'm going to put in bulls and also Ben Simmons for the, for the title. <laughs> Cause we did get off on a little tangent there. Uh, Gabe, uh, what, what are your realistic uh, expectations for this bulls team before we move, move into our uh, final segment here? Last year, I thought that they were a four seed if they had remained healthy. I thought that's where they would have finished. Um, unfortunately, they finished six. I think they could finish anywhere between four through seven. They could be a play-in team, depending on whether or not they're able to stay healthy. Uh, that that would be worst-case scenario yeah, playing team. Best best case scenario, I'm gonna say they somehow overachieve. Um, Lonzo comes back healthy and strong. They win over fifty plus games and they're able to get a top three seed in the East and advance past the first round for the first time in seven years. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or not. I don't look at them as an Eastern Conference Finals team as they currently stand on paper. Um, I think that's far-fetched, so I, I won't say that. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think they need some luck on their side. Um, for sure. All right, Let's. so the last – uh, segment here. We're going to have a little fun, folks. It's not every day we have a professional boxer on the podcast. And uh, even though it's not a good part of the game, it's a part of the game sometimes. Sometimes you got to see these guys out here mixing it up, throwing some hands. And so, um, you know, after kind of going through the, the way we're going to do this is weight class. So two players, you could guy, have a modern guy, you could have all classic guys, whoever you want. If they've played in the NBA, it counts. So whoever you want, but weight classes. So essentially like a smaller guy, a medium guy and a big guy, we'll call it lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight um, guys who would just be a nightmare either in a fight or in the boxing ring. Uh, let's start with, well, you guys ready for this? You guys ready for this? Got some players ready? Uh, I think I give it a shot. You see. All right, all right. Um, well, let's, we'll just go around the table, kind of go, uh, you know, circle around. Uh, Josh, give give me somebody. You said you think you got a you got a guy. Who's who's your first guy? Uh, like heavyweight. I my guy that I would was Kendall Gill. You know, gotta go with okay. Uh, Kendall Gill. Uh, he's actually got some pro fights under his belt. Yeah. I know him personally. Good friend of mine. So I feel like he could hold his own uh, against anyone. I'm going to um, move him to the middleweight category for the for the 
because in boxing he'd be a heavyweight. But yeah. In the NBA, I'm gonna move him to the middleweight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like that's that a pick. great pick. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because he do. I, I done met Kendall a couple times before. He a cool dude. Yeah. But he, he do yeah, got he, boxing experience. He's trying to fight Jake Paul. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great pick. Yeah. And you've trained with Kendall. Yeah, man. Kendall's one of the guys, man. You know, um, he's, always, he's always in the gym. He keeps himself in shape. A very mm-hmm. nice, humble guy. You can always talk to him, chop it up with him. So uh, very, very appreciative to have that friendship. I've known him since I was a kid, man. Um, it wasn't until, like, I really got deep into basketball that I realized just how great he was. And, like, his son – is playing now and his son's a really upcoming like prospect um yeah and the high school level it's you know, like, yeah like he, he's mm-hmm. doing pretty well so that's cool you know something to keep an eye on what's he like as a fighter oh just long boxing rangy good footwork you know uh he likes to dance around a lot um it, it's cool man I'm looking up his wingspan right now. Yeah, he got long arms, bro. Like he'll stand with his hand down, and his arm is like down to his knee and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he got some long arms. Yeah, this is uh, it's tough to just randomly find somebody's wingspan, but I'm I'm doing my best. I'm I'm kind of failing miserably, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do wish that Jake Paul would let him actually fight him. Okay, here we go. Uh oh, they're talking about his son. I don't think Jake Paul wants them problems. No, because I, no, I know I know I know if it's one I know if it's one thing Kendall do pride himself on for sure, as Josh alluded to. He he stays in damn good shape. Yeah. Um, for for a middle-aged dude. Um like that dude always in the gym. I actually got a, a friend, a, a, a older um, mentor of mine who work out with him um on the side, play ball with him and everything. And Man, like he he still think he's 25 in his mind. I know. You know, I think it was Andre Brown I was talking to, another DePaul Blue Demon, but I, I remember uh-huh. talking to somebody. It was either Andre Brown or um gosh, or another big man, but a former NBA player who was saying Kendall Gill's the last dude you want to mess with. Uh, and then he's got that crazy like, switch. Um, like standing up for him. Um, just you know, like like Shaq, like Shaquille O'Neal said something. You know, just with with big with big following to try to secure that fight, but I never it hasn't materialized yet. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Um, Gabriel, pick pick a fighter. Choose your fighter. Is that what they say in Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you get down. You know, he don't strike me as a guy that like to really get down for real. But I know if I was in the ring, personally, I wouldn't want to see Zion, man. <laughs> huh. I wouldn't want to Zion's see Zion. Player. That's a big dude. <laughs> yeah. 285. Yeah. Jeez, That's a big dude. He so knows strong. Feet too. 
<laughs> you know, at least on at least on the court. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd want to see how well he could like move that upper body when he's kind of because you got to do a little dance in boxing. Yeah, sometimes he's kind of stiff. I don't want to take away from him, but I feel like you know, if you put a guy out there. Like, like Muhammad Ali against Zion Williamson, Muhammad Ali wins that so quick. Obviously, we're talking Muhammad Ali, you know what I mean? Right. But even yeah. though Zion's probably stronger and bigger, like Ali would have that guy untying his shoes, you know what I mean, with the way he can move. Um, but, yeah, Zion was someone who came to mind for me. Um, let's put Zion in, like, in our heady. He might be uh, heavy on his feet, Zion. But yeah, that's why in basketball he's pretty quick for a big that's guy. What I'm saying. But yeah. in the ring in the ring it's a little different. You but right. I think I like I like that pick too. I feel yeah, like you I know a couple see. like like a Ron Artest, you know, a couple of bad with the bad boys, uh or like Draymond Green got a big attitude. I don't know if he could throw hands so well um, you beat like me to Ron my dad. Darryl, you know what I'm saying? Like I mean Technically, pretty much everyone in the NBA is around the cruiserweight heavyweight range. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All these guys are 175 and up. So right. um, that that's what I feel. I feel like a smaller guy um, that I think got hands for sure is Rondo. <laughs> okay. I think Rajon Rondo could definitely be a, a little dude who, who, who got hands. So, um I don't know. I just get that impression. Um, he from Muhammad Ali hometown too. You know, he a Louisville dude. Louisville okay, dude, yeah, they, they don't mind scrapping cool. either. So, yeah, you, I, I can see Rondo for show sure like that. Um, That's I got a chance. I, I know some guys that hung out around him. He with the Bulls. Like yeah. they say, Rondo, Rondo, one of them guys. Like they had some wild stories about Rondo. Oh, he's man. not afraid too. <laughs> no. Oh no, not for show. Sure. Definitely not afraid um, in any situation. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple here as the snake draft goes back around to me, if you will. I mean, we're all picking for the same team, but I'm gonna go Pat Beverly for a lot of the same reasons. Him against Rondo. <laughs> that would be must watch. Yeah. No, I think Beverly, he's just got that like he's such a double-edged sword. We kind of touched on it earlier. Like, what does Beverly bring to the table? Well, he's gonna bring you technicals. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be a damn good player. He's going to lock down, but he's going to get some technical fouls. Not too many technicals you get in boxing, unless you're hitting below the belt, your head button. Like I think Beverly would be someone who would fight until he cannot fight anymore. He wouldn't care if he dies out there. He's that yeah. nuts. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that. Um, not for his long-term longevity, if he were to be a boxer, but if I'm, you know, if it's, like, hey, go win me a fight. I like him. And yeah. then Ron Artest. Come on. Yeah. The warrior himself. Like, the dude turned into a physical specimen towards the end of his career. Because he was kind of lean, you know, in his Bulls yeah. Pacers days. And then he went to the Kings. And then he went to the Lakers. And all of a sudden, the dude just bulked up. I skipped the Rockets. But by the end there, he was a power forward. Emphasis on the power. Yeah, that's Matthew true. Rodman too, man. I think. Yeah, Rasheed Wallace got to be on that list too. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about the old guys. Yeah, 
Especially yeah. all them texts he was getting. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing him squabble in one of these exhibition matches. I know he's a coach now, so he probably don't want to do that, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. <laughs> On our list so far, well, I think that completes it. We got uh, Bev Rondo, Artes, Kendall Gill, Zion Williamson, Dennis Rodman. Any other guys we want to throw in here? I think we got a solid core there. Yeah. So yeah. honorable mention, Carl Malone. Oh, yeah. Just he would make for an interesting wrestler to me. I mean, yeah. he was on WWE one time, I remember, as a, as a kid with uh with Hulk Hogan. I think with Rodman. Yeah, he was. He was on there with Rodman. You're right. Interesting. Okay. He would be more of an interesting wrestler to me. But I, I wouldn't want to, like, as a boxer, yeah, he, and he was a madman when he came to working out, so... I yeah. could see. I would. I wouldn't want to face him in the ring, but he just had like a wrestler persona to me. Stephen Jackson, honorable mention. <laughs> I feel like that dude just. He, he just mentally and physically tough. Really good defender. W- never got pushed around. Was kind of an underrated player throughout his career. I wouldn't want to step into the ring with Stephen Jackson. He'd be entertaining. I think he kind of would be like, he kind of be like the NBA version of um, Adrian Brown. Yeah. <laughs> talk a lot of trash. No, I'm not saying like as a fighter, but like, just you know how Adrian Brown is like entertaining, talk a lot of trash. I need another one, uh, another Adrian. One is good enough. <laughs> I'm not saying he'd be like him in the ring, but just you know, Adrian Broner always say some wild stuff if you follow his uh, fights and get stuff. I know you know Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a fun episode, guys. Uh, and I appreciate you guys hopping on uh the Hoops Dramas podcast. Any uh closing thoughts as we wrap this one up? It should be a heck of a season. I look forward to to watching it. Um it's all it's always uh it's always fun when basketball is back on TV, man. So, amen to that. Baseball is a little boring for me, but <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait to, to come uh, chill at home and watch a Bulls game again. So, looking forward to it. I agree. Yeah, I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying a lot of White Sox baseball lately. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't know, like Sox, the no, I'm a Southsider, but I'm a Cubs fan, and you know it's oh, actually wild, fun because. <laughs> the Cubs, the Cubs are trash this year, and the Sox are underperforming. So to each his own. I mean, but they they still got a <laughs> shot. I mean, I like the way they closed out Minnesota, but I know um, I'm looking forward to the NBA season too for sure. Um, you know, for those that want to check in on me on the conversation, they can follow me on Twitter at what Gabe said. Um, me and my man Cal Means, Drew Hicks. I mean, Drew uh, Drew Stevens, Josh Hicks. Um, Sean, Terry, all us, man, we at War Media, we doing shows on a weekly basis talking about NBA, WNBA, all that, basketball in general, basketball stuff that's going on in Chicago during the summer. Um, Jordan Brand just had a 50 and over league uh, in the city that went real well. So um, you can always follow the the channel War Media YouTube. That's where you can find me and all the guys, Stephen Gardner, um, who've been doing some great work on the sky. Just shouting out all them guys, man. Love it. I'll definitely give that a look. Yeah, um, sure. and, and Josh, do you want to provide your social media for? Uh... Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's Jump95 on everything. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back in the ring sometime in October. Uh, 
just excited to get back to it. You know, I, I feel like my career has been a lot of ups and downs, but I think I found some consistency now and, you know, a couple of wins and uh, I'll be up there with the big names, which is the goal. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, always cheering for you, my man. Um, and, you know, our, our careers have had been intertwined at times. Yes, so, sir. You know, uh, they say no cheering in the press box. I got to stay objective. I got to stay objective on my bowls takes, but I'm always cheering for you, my friend. And um, thank you both for coming on. And uh, thank you all who listened to Hoopstradamus Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Happy hooping.